Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another live episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football <laughs> Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And of course, I am joined by Dan LaMagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. Dan, what is going on? Buddy, I, I feel like I ran a marathon today here between all these rookie drafts and just thinking about all the teams that you and Mitch has. Like, this is a full-time, uh, you know, workout, full-time job here, man. I'm loving it. But wow, it's, at, it's, a, it's a crazy time of year. My screen time, especially on Twitter, GroupMe, the MFL app, it is always astronomical. I can't wait until I get the report back from this week, just from today alone, because I have all the rookie drafts going on. It's going to be very interesting to see. And also joining us tonight, the man with the fantastic hair, Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's up, guys? Dude, I can't remember the last time that we had a show without a guest. It's had to have been two or three months now. It's been like over it, two months, I think. It's going to be weird not like having someone to keep us in line. I feel and a little usually, lonely tonight. And usually it's the guests that carry us. Mm-hmm. You know, especially during that live draft show we had, I every single guest was absolutely fantastic. We really didn't have to say a word. We've had some awesome guests. So you guys just got to step up your game tonight, all right? That's all right. We can do that. So before we really talk about tonight's show, last week we talked about players, rookies that rose up our draft boards based on the NFL draft, and then veterans that came out as big winners. And I'm so mad. And I, I messaged you guys earlier. How did I forget about Ian Thomas? They didn't draft a tight end, even though we talked about this tight end class not being that strong, but they didn't look to add anything offensively. My boy, Ian Thomas, he's a big winner. And I'm so upset I didn't talk about him. But Mitch and I, we've talked about it and we've updated our rankings here or there. Since mm-hmm. our initial rookie rankings and when we talked last week, Mitch, is there anybody that you've moved up or down? Not so much just based on the NFL draft, but from your in- initial assessment and your initial evaluation. Yeah, we talked about him on Twitter a little bit, but Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn went from the 201, 203 right after the draft. Now he's 107, 108, depending you know where the quarterbacks are landing. But I'm willing to take him above all the wide receivers at this point. Dan, did you have any guys? I, obviously, last week we talked about players that really rose up our draft boards. Do you have any rookies that you're in drafts right now and you're like, oh, you know, I have my eyes on player X. I didn't really think about him, but now he's there for me. I can't say that I didn't think about him, but boy, is he just catapulting up my charts. And, I, and I'll just set the tone for tonight's throwdown with Mitchell Sorensen. I, I have put a lot of effort into getting my uh, Antonio Gibson shares today. Uh, among some other guys, but he's one that's definitely just on my mind right now. I was talking to Mitch and a guy that I really liked pre-draft because Mitch convinced me and I knocked him down a little bit was Justin Jefferson. But now I, I actually think I have him at number two. I actually just took part in, I mean, I'm taking part in a million and one rookie drafts. I took Justin Jefferson ahead of Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, my boy T Higgins. And I'm not saying I had just Justin Jefferson below Higgins or Mims necessarily, but there was no doubt in my mind that he's my number two now with C.D. Lamb being my number one. So those are two guys that since last week's show where we talked about our rookie risers, they're actually still rising for me. And I got to say, you know, you guys are like brainwashing me. You're getting in my head here as I've spent so much studying the last two days. But your boys, Mr. 
Keyshawn Vaughn is like I was really torn today between taking him and Justin Herbert in one uh, rookie draft at 1.10. And then John Sign is saying it all there. I mean, he is definitely rising, you know, and just doing some study and listen how Coach Arians in the Tampa Bay front office is talking about him as a back that could be on the field all the time. Uh, they, they view him very highly. So value the position in a rookie startup. Uh, you guys, it's, it's, it's creeping in, whatever you're doing to me. Last year, my guy was Devin Singletary. Obviously cheaper. You know, he was going in the second round, but he was a guy that I was not leaving a rookie draft without him. And now it's J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, he's going 104, 105 in Superflex rookie drafts. But my guy here, Keyshawn Vaughn, and people know that I'm willing to pay out the ass for him. And there's people are tweeting at me, <laughs> JB, thanks for raising his price because now we're able to get valuable and better players a little bit later in the draft. Keyshawn Vaughn, I am going down with that ship. I planted my flag. He's going to show up this year. And if he doesn't, I have to delete my Twitter. So let's talk about some of the rookies that were dropping down our draft rankings. And Dan, let's start with you. Who do you have? You know, dro dropping down, and it's a tough one to say for me because he's still going, you know, relatively high. But DeAndre Swift, I mean, he is to the point now where, you know, you look back in previous podcasts, we've been talking about these rookies for months upon months now. Here's a guy that was supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to be right up there. And is this these drafts are progressing. He is not the guy anymore. I'm really concerned about that Detroit situation. We talked about how him and carry on Johnson could wash each other out. I'm even creeping in my head a little bit that even Bo Scarborough might still take five carries or something. Um, he's just not looking appealing to me to other guys that are there on the board. And I just, I get a little concerned about, about him be going so high. And I know you're a Lions fan, Mitch, and you still can't pass him up, mm -hmm. but uh, where he landed and, and the situation that's in my head, and then he's sliding a little bit. You know, other guys that I know, and then again, seeing our notes, trying to differentiate somewhere. I don't know how good of a job we did at Mitch because you and I are, are thinking alike with this one, but Jake Brom, uh, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. You know, and it, this pains me. I have two Georgia Bulldogs on my my list tonight, so I better check my temperature soon. But Jake Fromm was a guy that I was still just kind of holding out hope that would land somewhere, which is some kind of potential. But behind Josh Allen, it's like they just stamped him lifetime backup. So he's not even draftable to me now, really, unless you have Josh Allen. And, you know, there's some merit maybe in having his handcuff. And then my last one, and I put a little question mark behind this one, but would be Jalen Hurts. I just I don't see where it's going. You know, I, I don't want to draft a Taysom Hill and just for, for, for a gadget player. I do believe in Carson Wentz. I know we talk about his injuries for years, but, you know, I like to think he's turning the corner there. And I just – I don't see the appeal in spending a second-round pick on a guy that's not going to play for years. Guys, after the NFL draft and we put together our initial rankings, I said – I had DeAndre Swift as running back two pre-draft. I had Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift. I dropped him down to my running back six and you both looked at me like I had five heads or I was speaking a foreign language. Like I was absolutely insane over here, but now it sounds like you might be finally seeing the light and, and coming to the good side here. While I had him at six post draft, I actually have him at five now, but I think he's a, a great example of a guy, you know, especially if you're in Devi leagues and Deandre Swift, highly touted player, um, you know, we were hoping we'd land in a better situation. I think it's a terrible situation. And I know there's still people saying he's their running back too. Why? Because there's it's DeAndre Swift. Okay. So I think this is going to end up being a Nick Chubb situation to where he has the talent. We can't deny he has the talent. 
and Detroit's offense is good. It could easily be a Nick Chubb situation to where there's an injury to carry on Johnson or they end up because we have to remember that this is Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia's last year if the Lions don't produce. They've already been told they will be fired at the end of the year if they don't make the playoffs pretty much. And so if DeAndre Swift is that much better than carry on Johnson, we could easily see by week eight when we actually really start to care about fantasy points that Swift ends up taking over the backfield. So I agree. I've dropped him down my rankings too. You know, he went from my 101 in early April down to 106-ish now. And you say it was a Nick Chubb situation. Nick Chubb was going up against Duke Johnson, who I like a lot. And Mitch, you were throwing out first round picks left and right last year like they were candy. But, you know, Duke Johnson, who was not utilized in that offense, not utilized in Houston. For some reason, coaches don't want to use him. Uh, I'm talking about Nick Chubb in Cleveland. Duke it Johnson was, was there. Hyde that was holding him back, though. Right, right. I'm saying, but Duke Johnson was there, so it was going to cap his PPR ceiling, which a lot of people talked about. And then Carlos Hyde, the plotter, who I can't stand. He might be a nice guy. I don't know. I don't know him personally. I always say that. But from a fantasy and NFL perspective, there was no doubt in my mind that Nick Chubb eventually was going to beat him out. Carry on Johnson is not Carlos Hyde. He's but probably it, it, worse than Carlos Hyde. You're right. Oh, come on. But DeAndre Swift, I don't think, is Nick Chubb either. And I just think nowhere ever should have he been going behind Alaire, Jonathan Taylor, and J.K. Dobbins. So for me, it's just I just whoever thought he'd be behind those three guys. I agree. Well, we talked about it with J.J. We said he's going to be the only guy in the first round. So it's not like we came into it saying, oh, we know that he's not going to be a first-round guy, and then we know he's going to go uh, running back four wherever he went. It, I, I don't know. I, I would like to hear somebody's opinion that has him still as the running back two because you have to have Edwards Hilaire, you have to have Jonathan Taylor, and I don't see a situation where you don't have J.K. Dobbins ahead of him. So I think we're on the same page here. You know, we all like Swift. It's just not where we anticipated him going. If I could go back to Jalen Hurts a little bit, could you guys explain to me why people are taking him in that second round over a lot of guys with high ceilings? I just think he got the worst landing spot you could possibly get for a quarterback that you thought could be a diamond in the rough. Take lock. That's the only reason why I have. They have take lock or it's someone that doesn't like Carson Wentz in the first place and they're, you know, thinking he's getting injured again. Besides that, I don't see why you draft him at all. And there's been leaks to where I see Jalen Hurts going over Jordan Love. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. And you know, I mean, the first round draft capital, they obviously they see something in Jordan Love. They're going to give him an opportunity. Maybe he sits for the next two or three years. Maybe they bite the bullet, take the dead cap and get rid of Aaron Rodgers this year or next. I don't think that's likely, but I can't see a situation where I would take Jalen Hurts ahead of Jordan Love. And just like you guys, and we talk about it all the time, I don't have Jalen Hurts on one roster where I drafted a rookie draft or a startup after the NFL draft. I have him on a few rosters uh, from pre-NFL draft Mm -hmm. startups because I thought, okay, if he lands in a decent situation, maybe he takes a jump year two. But I'm a Carson Wentz guy, so I don't get it at all, guys. So, Mitch, I I think all three of these guys, Swift, Fromm, Hertz, they really should be dropping down your board. Mitch, you actually had Fromm initially, but you bumped them. So, obviously, you're on the same page, though. Oh, completely same page, yeah. I changed them just so we're not going to repeat it here later in the show. But So, the guys that I have is Zach Moss. Zach Moss was the running back that I had pre-draft right in the early second round. I did a mock draft on the Father and Son podcast, and... He ended up dropping all the way out of the third round because there was always someone we wanted to take over him. And that's not happening in 
um, actual drafts, you know, he's going mid to late second round, but that's a huge jump from where he was going. I mean, some people had him as a first round guy going into the draft. And now I don't see any way to where you could pick him in the first 20 picks of a draft. There's just Devin Singletary does everything better than Zach Moss does right now. We've seen that the coaching staff does not like giving playing time to rookies. Devin Singletary sat on the bench behind Frank Frank Gore for how long last season? And too long. It, the answer was yeah, too way long. too long. And he was always producing. And you could just see that happen again with, with Zach Moss. And you don't see the chance of him getting on the field over Singletary. He's going to be the guy that comes in when Singletary is actually you know, just gets tired. And then Zach Moss comes in. I don't think there's ever going to be a situation where they're like, no Singletary, you're on the bench. We're playing Zach Moss for the series. I just don't see a way that that happens. And then my second guy. Here, let's mean, talk about Zach Moss okay. for a minute. Do you think he still has touchdown upside? Because we saw that from Frank Gore last year where he was used inside the five yard line, even though Devin Singletary, he's a little bowling ball. So mm-hmm. give him an opportunity. But do you think Zach Moss will at least... Uh, hinder uh, Devin Singletary's upside. And I actually, you know, name drop, I, I DM my my good friend, good friend of the show, Mike Clay. And I said, what is your take here? How do you think it's going to impact Devin Singletary? His answer was very straightforward. Not much. Mm-hmm. So I actually want dad's take on it, but real quick, mine is, I think there's two ways you can look at the, how many touches Frank Gore got in that red zone. You can either say, a, they didn't trust the rookie to do it, so they gave it to Frank Gore. Or B, Singletary just wasn't the guy that was going to do it, no matter who was there. I think it's more they wanted Frank Gore to get it because they didn't touch the rookie. They didn't trust the rookie, but I was wondering what Dan's take would be on that. Yeah, I think a little bit less of not trusting Singletary as opposed to more of just absolutely trusting a Hall of Famer and Frank Gore. I mean, he the guy was money despite being 8,000 years old. So I think with Moss, you're just, you know, you're getting a, you know, RB2 on, on that team where Singletary's going to be the guy. And when we're drafting in Dynasty, we want someone that could just possibly be a league winner. You know, this Keyshawn Vontok, he could potentially be a league winner. I don't think Moss is ever going to have that chance, as you guys are noting the talent that Singletary or the role that Singletary has on there and the way Buffalo handles their running backs. Now, one thing that does concern me, we, you know, Dan and I, and I think Mitch, to an extent, we persuaded you to really jump on the Chris Carson bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Dan and I were driving the train. Mitch, you're you're at least on there, but you're probably pretty far back. Chris Carson obviously had fumbling issues, and that was one thing where Rashad Penny was able to really insert himself into the lineup, and Pete Carroll trusted him in some pretty key situations that you would normally think Chris Carson, but the fumbles. Devin Singletary, he had a few fumbles last year. He had four, and I just had to look it up. But that could come into play because the Bills, that division, it's not what it was. I mean, the the Jets, maybe they'll be a little bit better, but the Dolphins, they're still probably going to dolphin it. And the Patriots, they're not what they were. But maybe when it comes down to crunch time, if Devin Singletary can't be trusted, maybe it is a situation where Zach Moss gets it. But I can't see him really being – like, I'm a huge Devin Singletary guy. I can't see Zach Moss really getting a majority of the work where he really is fantasy relevant. Maybe in a really deep league, you can throw him in your flex if there's a bye week or something like that. But I think that's really it. 
Yeah, we have a question here on the side from Dynasty Rookie if you want to pull it over. But he's asking if he should trade Singletary and for how much. He's saying that his running backs are Mixon, Singletary, Damian Williams, and Carry On. If those are my running backs, I will not move Singletary because he's your RB2 at this point. And those other guys, I mean, you're hoping Damian Williams can still be an RB2. And we, it's just a guess at this point if he's going to produce, you know, 75% of what he did when he was healthy last year. I think that's a great question. And I would just very quickly say no, just because the perceived value on Devin Singletary right now, it is through the floor. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants him. I've tried to offer him for something reasonable. You can't even get an early second right now in super flex drafts. I would say hold him because his output and his production and usage is going to be more than what is expected right now overall in the community. So I would say Devin Singletary is a hold. I mean, you shop Mixon, see what you can get there. Oh, yeah. I move. So in a, in a rookie draft, and again, this is very anecdotal. It's not going to carry league to league. But I moved him in a third for the 104, which at the time was on the clock. Jonathan Taylor was there. So now I'm getting a rookie who, yeah, some wear and tear from his college years, but a rookie that he's not, not a worry for a holdout like Joe Mixon possibly. And then I got a second, which then I parlayed with another second at Calvin Ridley. So that was a move that I really liked for my team. But I would say shop Joe Mixon, see if you could get anything. You know, maybe you can get two, you know, uh, mid first and a late first or something like that. If somebody's really a fan and you're talking about a Keyshawn Vaughn, who obviously is going to be the RB one here in 2020 and maybe a Jerry Judy or CD lamb or somebody like that. So that's my thought, Dan, what do you on, think on the flip side? He's got to be careful. They're not giving away mixing mixing. No, but nobody's giving them away. He has potential to be one of the rare few bell cow, not come off the field backs in the national football league. Here's my so question for you, Dan. If he trades Mixon, what, what does he have? Coach Dan over there, you have seen it from that side, which obviously Mitch and I have not. Except, you know, I always talk about my six yard per carry average in in grade school with my my three carries. But you've been on that side. Is there any chance that Zach Taylor thinks, okay, I saw what happened with Todd Gurley? Granted, there were knee issues previously, but we kind of ran him into the ground in Los Angeles. Is there any concern there? It, that, he didn't get all of the passing down work we'd have liked to have seen. They added other weapons. Now, AJ greens back T Higgins, maybe his upside's a little cap. So I'm just saying shop him around. I'm not saying give him away though. Yeah. just outside of Gio Bernard. There's nobody touching any reps on Joe Mixon. And as a coach, when you get to game day and you want to win, Mixon's not coming off the field in, in crunch time. And the rest of dynasty rookies backs are, you know, Singletary solid. But Damian Williams got a very fragile situation. Carryon Johnson has a very fragile situation. So if he wants to win and compete now, he needs Mixon, I think, to anchor his running backs. And in Dynasty, more than ever, boy, you, you need an engineering degree to make sure you have the landscape of running backs mm-hmm. around the league because everybody's splitting carries. And how is this going to shake out? You know we're going to do a Dynasty Theory show after the season, and it's going to look nothing like what we're talking about right now between free agency, rookies that surprise us, rookies that didn't pan out. It's a very fragile landscape as a whole. What do you mean it's not going to be? It's going to be exactly what we said. We have never had a miss ever. We'll, <laughs> we'll ignore Damien Williams. You know, we'll... Hey, that wasn't a miss. He was injured. That, he showed in the Super Bowl that wasn't a miss. No, I, I always talk about our misses, and we have had our fair share. 
I'm just kind of being an ass over here. Even, but, even when you get it right, though, John, we're still wrong. I mean, you look, Chris Carson, Marlon Mack, they're good running backs, but boy, their situations are so fragile. And that's that's become the norm. I mean, the window for running backs to keep their role is getting shorter and shorter because of the financial decision. Who needs running backs, right? After the first contract is up, we're going to see a lot of decisions made. And that's why I always knock you and your Cowboys, Dan, because I don't know if that Zeke situation was exactly wise financially but here's another comment from dynasty rookie he says i've 102 or he or she says i've 102 110 202 and 209 does that change things well 102 you're getting clyde edwards hilaire jonathan taylor i now all of a sudden feel a lot more comfortable with your running back stable singletary isn't your number two anymore he's your number three which is perfect if dingle devin singletary is my three going into the season i'm happy with that on every single league yeah, he offers that running back three, I would say floor even. Mm-hmm. Buffalo is a team that wants to run the ball. So we're getting a little sidetracked here, but I love the questions. If anybody else has any, drop them in the chat. Uh, we talked about Zach Moss. Mitch, you you have a few other guys here. So yeah, we'll just hit rugs really quick because he's been kind of, you know, ran to the ground at this point. But he was my wide receiver four going into the draft. And I'm like, you know, we don't move guys based off landing spots. But then he gets Derek Carr. And it's like, how do you have rugs and Derek Carr? And like, it just killed it. So like I have, I've done probably 20 or 25 rookie drafts so far. And I have zero rug shares. You were, you were much higher on him mm-hmm. pre-draft than certainly Dan or myself. And I think then higher than most of the dynasty community. But let me ask you a question. I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Everybody knows I like Derek Carr, but I think I already know what you're going to say too. If he's Was not it there, the be- talent around him. Oh no. Okay. No, 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 no. Right. I, I, I like Derek Carr and it was the talent around him. Mm-hmm. That's why the, the dink in, in dumps here. Yeah. But if he's not the guy beyond 2020, does that change your evaluation of Henry Ruggs? No, because I'd be scared. It's even Mariota and that would be so much worse. If it's not Derek Carr, there's no way it's Mariota. I mean, yeah. you have to assume it's a rookie coming in or Jameis Winston. I, but then all the other rookie wide receivers in his range are already in good situations. So I would be having to take him over Mims, who, I mean, Mims is going to have Darnold for at least the next three seasons, and I'd rather just go with that. All right. Oh, oh Dan, go If ahead. I could add one thing here, this is going to go down as one of the best rookie drafts to follow up on. And this wide receiver situation is getting more intriguing by the rookie draft that we keep partake, partaking in. Henry Ruggs and Brandon Ayuk are two guys that are kind of sliding. Mm-hmm. And I just think, will we have regrets one, two, three years from now? Because Ruggs is super stealth, fast, talented. I mean, the, the draft capital is there in them. The Niners love Ayuk. And there's an organization that knows what they're doing. I mean, they've had a lot of success. I know their Pettis pick wasn't that great, but Debo was a, was a boom. Um, so they're two guys that I agree with Mitch's take on Ruggs because there's some other receivers there that I love and I'm happy to, to lose out on Ruggs right now. But I'm, I am hoping I'm not regretting that later on. And same thing with Ayuk. So yeah, Bill, Bill here in the chat real quick, he says Ruggs is getting cheaper and cheaper, which he is. Mm-hmm. Last draft, he went at 204. I still don't think I take him there. I, I took Brian Edwards over him. Yeah, I take Brian Edwards over him. Yep. Could see it, but it's dangerous. There's just so many wide receivers in that range. I love your boy Pittman. He has that pedigree. His dad was in the NFL. You know, it, it's in his blood. And then I T. Higgins. Is there going to be some year one? Eh, probably. But year two and beyond, I love his prospect there in Cincinnati. 
Denzel Mims. There's just so many guys. Brian Edwards, like I said. Visca Chanel. Of- come on, man. Don't leave him yeah. out. And I, a big thing is, so with Ayuk and Ruggs, their, their ceiling is Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, that's like if they absolutely smash, they could turn into Tyreek Hill. How many guys with that skill set have actually turned into Tyreek Hill? I mean, all of them get comp to Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson has never been someone you want on your redraft team. He's someone that you've wanted in DFS or in best ball. So that's kind of my worry now is I was hoping Ruggs would go to the Eagles to where he could still get a good target share. I don't think there's any way he gets a good target share for the Raiders. Do you think Ruggs, he kind of gets that uh, he's mislabeled as a deep threat when he can do some things underneath as well? And again, this is just me playing devil's advocate, which I do every show. Yeah, I definitely think that he can. And in the it's same just, breath, too, with the Raiders, Mitch, like, who else is going to step up? Like, what if Edwards did slip for a reason? We know Tyrell Williams isn't going to be the man. Hunter Renfro is cool, but he's not going to be the man. So there's Lynn an opportunity Bowden. there, too. Darren Waller. <laughs> yep. I, I mean, Tyrell Williams isn't going off the field either. They just gave him that big contract last year. So he's already going to be on the field. It's going to be a if little he's healthy, he'll be on the field unless yeah. they run four wide eight. receiver sets constantly, which I can't see Gruden doing. No, but no, you know, so yeah, obviously, you know, for you, rugs dropped a little bit. And this next one, I agree with, but I think it might surprise a few people. So I actually first had Jake Fromm on here, but then after we were talking, I started going through my rookie ranks in my head. I'm like, wait, I have Jerry Judy not even in the first round at this point. And I don't feel bad about it. Like, I loved him going into the draft. I don't like Drew Locke at all. I think he's being way overdrafted. And even if Drew Locke is good, they're a running team. They're not a pass-first team in Denver. And so you're going to tell me Drew Locke's going to be able to feed Melvin Gordon, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy, Alberto. There's just no way that there's going to be that pass volume for those guys. And I don't see Jerry Judy being able to reach the levels of someone like even CD Lamb or Jefferson in the next couple of years. I just don't see it happening. Last time we talked, Dan had Jerry Judy as his wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Did that change at all for you? He fits the description of Mitch saying he's sliding. I wouldn't let him go out of the first round, but maybe 112. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, I got like 201. 201. You know, but that just comes down to value the position for me with some running backs and some quarterbacks. You know, I'm trying not to be a cowboy homer and get caught up in all the CD Lamb hype. I, you know, I did like Judy as my 1A over Lamb 1B, but it's tough. I want to know why Mitch is hating on all our quarterbacks. John, Derek Carr, Drew Locke, we like those guys. He, he's got to keep throwing those digs in there. I That's like right. Dak. Dak's a Mitch, pretty good quarterback. Mitch is still thinking about Jameis. Good makeup. His, his guy, oh, Jameis. God, dude. I have <laughs> so many Jameis Winston shares. Hey, that oh. might not be a bad thing. It, just, it might he, be okay next year. But. Perfect landing spot when Breeze goes to NBC next year. Mm-hmm. Here, Mitch, let me ask you a quick question because I do the same thing. And clearly, I, I did it here. I keep pointing to Keyshawn mm-hmm. Vaughn no matter what. That's right. I stole a page out of, I stole a page out of Woody Page's Stand on here. that hill. Uh, it's a mountaintop right now, but are we overvaluing or undervaluing the landing spots? I don't think so because it's something that JJ Zacharias has brought up a lot on his podcast on the late round QB is Who, the def- never heard of him. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was on this podcast just a few weeks ago. If anyone wants to go back and listen, it was four episodes ago, but anyways, 
the issue that we have now is between wide receiver, say five in the league and wide receiver 25, there's like two points worth of difference. The difference between wide receiver 25 and wide receiver 50, there's another two points of difference. There's just isn't enough for me to be like, you know what? I'm going to draft Judy, get ahead of these guys when I don't believe he's ever going to be the main guy on his team. And in fantasy, I want to get those number one guys. I just do, you know, like Jameson Crowder, that kind of guy. Well, <laughs> you know, C.D. Lamb, I really do think with the opportunity presented in that offense, mm-hmm. he could see he's going to see 100 targets in that offense. I really believe that. Oh, yeah. Is Jerry Judy going to see 100 targets with Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, uh, Cortland Sutton? Mm-hmm. I, not in year one, maybe not year two. And then we look at the other receivers. Denzel Mims, he has an opportunity. And I said, I think he's going to have the most. Dan, you're shaking uh, Don't compare him to Jerry Judy. We might have to have our own showdown next week. No, because that would be an insult to Denzel Mims. I would never he's no do Jerry that Judy. He's no Jerry Judy. But it's but a great situation. Thing he doesn't have to be to produce as Jerry Judy fantasy-wise. That's the thing. Well, I don't think Jerry Judy could ever be the 18 PPR a week guy. He might be the 12 to 13, and he's kind of capped at Marvin Jones-esque, a really good wide receiver, but one who is never the dominant guy on his team. And that defense is also pretty strong. That offensive line, we talked about Mike Munchak, they're improving, and I think they're really focusing on that. They want to run the ball. That's going to cap Judy's upside. Whereas you look at a player like Denzel Mims in New York, that offense is going to have to put up points. Negative game script. I think Denver actually has a much better season than people expect here. And, I mean, Drew Locke, he's still my guy. As they give Drew Locke as your guy and he continues to develop, this is dynasty, not redraft. Jerry mm-hmm. Judy's ceiling is so high, and I, I don't think Mims and those other guys is as high as Judy. I was reading some an article today about Vic Fangio. Fangio. He was saying how much he loved Judy. When he was he was studying receivers in the draft, he was looking at who could do the most damage to defenses, and Judy was his guy. I, I just think there's yeah, a I lot believe of love it. there. No. Yeah, talent-wise, Judy's probably – I mean, he's the best in the class outside of Lamb, easily. Who's going to draft a player, though, and then not talk them up? Every single player that gets drafted, if they get drafted in the third Adam round, Gase. Yeah, he'll say, uh, we didn't want this guy. Mitch always has an answer. Way to go, Mitch. (laughs) And Dan always gives me that smart-ass response, this isn't redraft. I forgot our our (laughs) podcast name wasn't redraft theory. You're you're too hard on Judy, John. I'm going to be the judge here. Get it? Judge Judge Judy? Anyway, so I I have one guy, and it actually goes hand-in-hand with Jerry Judy, that I don't think people are talking about in terms of losing value. And I actually... There were five tight ends that I really liked pre-draft. This guy was one of them. Did Albert O drop down for you guys at all? I mean, he he's with Noah Fant now, and we just talked about Jerry Judy. You know, Mitch, you're shaking your head. Is that because you had him lower before? Because I yeah. liked him. And why did I like him? Because of his college production and that blazing 40. Yeah, he ran fast, but... He looks horrible when you actually watch him. Uh, He was a guy who was the combine hero who only ran the 40, keep in mind. And and, and then it was the mic drop. He didn't have to do anything else. Exactly. (laughs) I just never rose him up my rankings at all. I'm like, someone else can take him and someone else already has. So for you, he didn't drop just because you had him kind of low before. Dan, anything for you? 
I don't think he'll ever see the light of my rosters unless he just slips to me at the end of a fourth round and I have no one else to take. And then he'll eventually get cut because I don't see him staying on the field. I think he'll be a role player on that offense, which might be okay for real life football, not for fantasy football. All right. So I, I thought I'd try to mix it up here and you guys just completely kick me in the face here, but that's what you guys usually do. You don't read the show notes and then I bring a, an additional player and you say, Oh, that's terrible. Or my, my one rapid fire last week, it went swift, swift, swift. And Mitch, you said, why did you even pick this one? Yeah, exactly. Don't know why. JP, you're boom or bust, man. You, you just either blow us away or you give us an Albert O. I, I keep everybody on their toes. There's no middle ground with me. Very high, very low. We talked about rookies. Let's get into some of the veterans that took a hit in value. Like I said last week, we talked about some of the veterans that came out as big winners. Who are the big losers? And Mitch, uh, give us your first one here. And before we Sorry. before we start, and you're you're taking a sip, and that's okay. We're not going to name running backs because there's just so many running backs that took the obvious hit: Mark Ingram, Justice Hill in Baltimore, Singletary, Carry On, Mac. Even though Dan thinks he's the running back one next year, kidding, of course. Our boy Damian Williams. So there's a lot of running backs. We knew the landscape was going to change, so we're not going to include any of them. And just again, I say that you guys don't read my notes. I had in here no running backs. Initially, Dan dropped in two running backs. I was like, Dan, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I got to give right. you a hard time. I- All right. So the first guy I picked, Samari Cooper. And I know it's going to upset Dan. If Dan needs to throw the challenge flag already, you can. <laughs> and I'll out. let you go first. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm, holding, I'm holding the flag, waiting okay. to whether I should throw it or not. Okay. So this question, I read the notes, is based on value. And value is whatever the public's opinion is on a player. If that value goes up or down based on the draft. The issue with Cooper is everyone knows now after two years, the Cowboys can cut him. And so going into that 2021 off season, they have all of their linemen still signed. They're going to have Dak at at least $35 million. Zeke himself is going to be making $22 million. Or, or sorry, he's going to be making 16 and a half. Amari Cooper is going to have a $22 million hit on the cap that year. There is no possible way that they're going to be able to keep Cooper just based off salary ramifications itself. And then you add in CD Lamb, who I think is going to be a better player than Amari Cooper. They already have Michael Gallup, who's really good. I don't see, I've seen it, you know, as a Lions fan, I've seen him try to put those three wide receivers on the field, all highly drafted. You end up seeing him go one by one because you can't pay three wide receivers money. And by 2021, guess who's going to be up? Michael Gallup. So are you just going to let him walk at that point and you're going to keep Amari Cooper at $22 million? It, I just don't see any possible way that that happens. He didn't take a hit now. You know, maybe three, you're talking three years down the road and he's still only going to be 28. And even if he leaves Dallas, he'll land somewhere else on his feet good because the guy's a stud. He runs routes that are phenomenal. He's a humble guy. His work ethic's great. He's got everything going for him, Mitch. I, I, I agree, but his value not worthy has gone down. You can't get as much for him now as you did two weeks ago because the public perception on him is worse than it is, is worse now than it was two weeks ago. And I think Dan, that's the it, big thing. I Dan, think me, now's the ahead. time to buy. buy oh, I agree. Buy, buy Cooper. Low. But you're Dan, still buying you him for a reduced price. So prior to the NFL draft, none of us expected CeeDee Lamb to be there for the Cowboys. None of us. And if you're saying you did, you're lying. 
so now they take CD land. They spend that first round draft capital. His perceived value has taken a hit. You cannot argue that. I think I mentioned on the father son pod with our boy, Justin there, who's busting my, uh, you know what here on our live chat. Um, you know, I, I did mention that his ceiling may be not quite as high, but I think the production and the touch, the yards, the touchdowns, the fantasy value, it's still all there. I just, I just think he's a stud. He's going to remain a stud for these next three years in Dallas. And he's still super young. I think the lamb trains like off the rails here, how hyped he is in Dallas. Uh, you know, he could have Randall Cobb's production and Jason Witten's production and Cooper's still going to produce, um, you know, Gallup's still proving himself. I think I thought going into this draft Gallup's stock was too high. When people say Gallup's better than Amari Cooper, um, he has had good chemistry with Dak. So I like that. And I, I think that's why, you know, he's maintained, but as a Cooper really truther, quick, I, gentlemen, I threw up on the screen here. I, I hope you can read it. But Mitch, this is your projections. Mm -hmm. So Amari Cooper right here at 241, Michael Gallup 181, and then 164 for C.D. Lamb. Mm -hmm. So I, nobody's saying that Amari Cooper is going to be completely rendered useless. But from where he was two weeks ago, his value did drop. And his production is going to drop. And if it's not going to be Amari Cooper, and we'll get into him later, Blake Jarwin. And I love Blake Jarwin. I was picking him up everywhere. One of these guys, they're gonna suffer. As far as ADP, I'll give it to you. I'll give Mitch, I'll give Mitch the W there because I have had a couple of drafts where he's landed to me where I think it, you know in the past I had a trade up for him. So I get the point. I'm just saying, bye Cooper. He's still the man. Yeah, this definitely isn't a Cooper sucks now because CD Lamb's there. This is just a, his values dropped and you're not going to get what you got him for before. So like Dan said, if you really like Cooper. Now's a great time to buy low because even if they do cut him after 2021, he'll be what 28 at that point. So he'll and, still be a good buy. And your projection of 241, what is that? Really high end wide receiver, too. Yeah. So it's still somebody that you're going to have, you're going to be happy to have on your team. Mm -hmm. But veterans that took a hit in value, that's the question posed to you guys. And I do think Amari Cooper, he fits that mold. Uh, we'll, we'll bounce around a little bit here. Dan, who's your guy here? That's good because I was ready to throw down with Mitch again. I need a little break after that. You guys exhausted me with it. With, with, but Mitch has some good points there, so I, I still give you a kudos, buddy. Am I in? You know, it, it's an obvious one, but it's one that just bothers me so much that I had to talk about it again. And that's Aaron Rodgers and what the Green Bay Packers are doing. I do not understand. You have a Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame, one of the greatest, and I know that because I've watched him defeat and toast and embarrass my Cowboys so many times. Um, he's just an amazing guy to watch. And even though his stats aren't, you know, fantasy-esque like they've been in certain years, give the guy some weapons already. In the deepest wide receiver draft ever, they draft a backup quarterback and a second or third string running back. I, I don't understand that at all. I think his morale's fired up. I think it hurts him in Dynasty because there's only a few years left. Like, he's getting to the point now already before this draft that – we're him and Han, what to do with Aaron Rodgers. You know, we, we kind of don't want him, but he's better than some of the options. His team got no better. So unless Alan Lazard is the, the next uh, coming of a great number two receiver that we don't know about, or Devin Funches is reborn, uh, I think that draft took a big blow on Aaron Rodgers and his stock, and he's not getting any younger. Now, from a production standpoint, if you're okay with him and Mitch, I'm going to kind of leave this into you. But if you're okay with him dying on your roster, 
I still think he's going to be a really valuable asset in Superflex. But Mitch, you give me a hard time all the time because I always say I don't want an asset, especially Aaron Rodgers, who I most likely paid a pretty penny for in Superflex leagues. I don't want him dying on my roster. Now, if it's somebody like a Marvin Jones, sure, dirt cheap asset, older, give me the production because I'm not going to get anything in return for you. But Aaron Rodgers is still at the point now that I can get something solid, especially if it's a win now team. And I made a trade involving Aaron Rodgers where I sent him packing. But Mitch, what are your thoughts here? If you have Aaron Rodgers on your roster, are you holding him or are you looking to move him now? Because that perceived value is going to get lower and lower and lower. All right. So I'll answer this real quick, but I have like a little weird tangent to go on after this. All we do is go on tangents. So tangent right, away, but, baby. So as far as Aaron Rodgers, I think trading him now is a horrible idea. You're not getting what you're actually getting value wise out of him. And in two years, say the Packers do get rid of him. What quarterback do you want more on your team than a pissed off Aaron Rodgers? I don't care if he goes to the Cleveland Browns and they have absolute crap around him, you know, like the Browns always have. Give me Aaron Rodgers with a whole bunch of horrible wide receivers, and I'll still want him in 2021 after they cut him or 2022, whatever that case is. But the tangent I was going to go off on is this is why NFL coaching is so horrible. What you do is you have a coach like Matt LaFleur, and he has his system. He goes to the Green Bay Packers with one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. He goes in there. He's like, you know what we're going to do, guys? We're not going to let Aaron Rodgers throw the ball. We're going to run it a lot. And then we're going to draft nothing to help out Aaron Rodgers. We're going to go draft this really average running back, A.J. Dillon, in the second round and just completely hamper any ability that Aaron Rodgers has to lead this football team. And then you have a guy like Bilicek who's like, you know what? I'm going to change my system every single year to fit the talent around me. But then you have these horrible coaches. And I actually think that McVay, he came in, had an awesome system, and he is making every single player run in that system now. And I don't think he's ever going to change because he thinks this is the system that's going to lead to better things. System worked great for two years. Defensive caught up. And I guarantee we're going to see the same thing going into next year. And that's weird tangent, but I just absolutely hate when coaches won't fit their scheme around players. They just try to force their players into their scheme instead. It's like the round peg into a square hole analogy. But next week, I think we have to do a little contest here. And it's going to be, and Dan, you've gotten better with it because I think you're, you think about it now. You don't say the word dysfunction too often. But we'll come up with a word for you. For me, it's still perspective because I say it so many times. And then, Mitch, we're going to anytime you forget a player or coach's name. Oh, that's all the time. <laughs> uh, Dan, what, what do you have here? I just want to double down on what Mitch said. And he mentioned how bad NFL coaching could be. But let's take it up a notch to how bad NFL management and ownership could be. And the two of them together, John, equals dysfunction. I mean, you know, to allow a coach to just waste away this Hall of Fame quarterback's career and royally piss off your entire fan base, I mean, it makes no sense to me. Why would you want to crush the morale of your entire locker room and go this route? It's going to blow up. This coach is going to be fired in a couple of years. So when Aaron Rodgers leaves, it'll probably be a complete overhaul again. And it's a shame because there's such a rich history in Green Bay. Before we move on, Mitch, I want to ask you a question because you brought something up. You said now is not the time to sell Aaron Rodgers. So one of two things, either you're willing to ride him out or do you think you can get more for him midseason? Because I'm going to tell you right now, 
I have a lot of Aaron Rodgers. You couldn't get anything more midseason than you can now. Yeah, I don't think his price is going up. Probably. I mean, if it goes up, it's going to change from you being able to get quarterback 15, whoever that is, say Jared Goff for him. You might be able to get Matthew Stafford for him, who's like quarterback 10. That's the he's never going to bump back up into that quarterback five range that he used to be two years ago. Depending on the the overhead that I have involved in the league and the cost, I'm willing to unload Aaron Rodgers now because I always say I don't want an asset dying on my team. Uh, let's see. So, Dan, you had Aaron Rodgers. Mitch, back to you. Run through your last couple guys here. So I have to go back to my notes. That tangent, you know, had me going <laughs> a little bit. And just real quick, I talked about him earlier this offseason as Hollywood Brown because he was the wide receiver for the Ravens, who you could actually give a high market share to. You could be like, you know, he could end up being a 22, 23% market share guy. But now they have Devin Duvernay. They got James Prochet. They have Mark Andrews. And the issue is the Ravens just don't have a high run-to-pass ratio. I mean, sorry, they actually have a high run-to-pass ratio. And so you're just going to end up running into the situation to where there's not enough targets to go around. And Brown isn't going to be the guy that gets 22%. It's just not going to happen anymore. Go ahead, Dan. Now, this is your last one, Dan, because you lost that last challenge. So here you go. Fair enough. I, I, this one is worth using. My prediction right here on May 4th, 2020 on the Dynasty Theory podcast. Or is it the is, Redraft Theory podcast? No. Smart. Mm. Um, so you're losing my mojo here, man. My momentum. No, my prediction for tonight is Marquise Hollywood Brown is my version of DJ Shark from last year. He is going to go off this year. All right. He is going to be the guy. You know who du Duvernay is going to do? He's going to replace Seth, Ro uh, Seth Roberts or whoever the heck they had there in the slot and all these bum receivers, these Willie Sneeds. He's going to be faster. They needed speed. He's going to help them out. I like the I like the pick. But Hollywood Brown is going to be their guy. Hayden Hurst is gone. It's going to be Brown and Mark Andrews all day. He is in phenomenal shape. He never had a chance to get healthy last year, Hollywood Brown. He is healthy now. He is, again, running routes, working out with Antonio, the greatest, one of the greatest receivers ever, Brown, despite being mentally unstable, whatever happened in his, to him in the last year. But I'm telling you, man, I, I think I am all over Brown getting as many shares of him as I can. So I, I don't see where his value went down here. I could see someone arguing of how good he's going to be. You know, maybe I'm wrong and he's just, you know, he's at his value, but declining Mitch. Come on. Now this isn't Hollywood Brown's cost by any means, because if you look at startups, he's not going anywhere near this, but can he hit wide receiver two production here in 2020? I don't think anyone could cover him and he's got Lamar and their run game got better and their offensive line got better. And there's now 300 total the targets run game to go got around. Better and Year the offensive the line got better, so they're just going to run that much more, and he's going to get that many less targets. It opens up the passing game, though. They don't have anyone else other than Mark Andrews. Duvernay is just a, an upgrade on the bums that they had there. Duvernay's there's going to be 600 stud. rushing attempts this year. Mark Ingram is going to be the running back two. J.K. Dobbins, the running back one. No, I mean, that's kind of embellished, but I do think... I'm on board with Mitch here. So, Dan, I think you lost both challenges here. Time will tell, my friends, but I will not use any more challenges tonight. <laughs> no, you're out. You're out. And then, Mitch, your, your last group here. Okay, my last group is just the Bengals wide receivers not named Boyd and Higgins, right? Higgins, yeah. right? 
Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. now you got me all questioning names. I'm like, no, wait, am I getting that wrong? <laughs> you you dislike T. Higgins so much in rookie I drafts. I actually, so Mitch and I, everybody knows that we co-own a lot of teams together. And I did something that a co-owner should never do, but I drafted somebody without his consent. And I took T. Higgins at the beginning of the second round. And I, I got an earful. Well, it was through a group me chat, but he let me have it. But yeah, I Ross and AJ Green. Yeah. Dan, rattle through your guys here. DD Wisprick, I'm putting him to to rest after, you know, his high hopes were blown up last year. You know, former fourth round pick out of Oklahoma. He's going to be 27 by the end of the year. That's starting to get old in Dynasty, and that breakout's just never coming. I think the drafting of LaVisca Chanel, who I am super high on, uh, just re- delegates him to wide receiver three, wide receiver four in that range. He had issues with drops last year, his issues with staying healthy, and now I think he's going to be – phased out a little bit at a time so i'm putting uh putting him to bed that, that's, last- that's a really good one and i have a lot of him so when i saw this on your list mm-hmm. i agreed but i'm i'm not happy about it i actually went in looked at it i'm like no snap shares chris conley actually played a lot more than westbrook did last year and i think it's going to be even worse now well the it is sad too JP. but because mm-hmm. he's got some speed i mean it's not like there's no ability there i just think his fantasy days are are coming to an end um, and then last on my list, it's a little bit of a combination here. And, and I think something's got to break, and it's just a matter of when, whether it's this year or next year. But I'm looking at that Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver situation. And, you know, Deontay jo- Johnson seems to be on solid ground. If their history of drafting receivers continues and Chase Claypool pans out, is it the end of James Washington like D.D. Westbrook, which you've been saying for a while, John? You know, I, again, I said I think our last episode, my ears are open now. I'm not being stubborn. I think it could be the end or is Juju not that guy that everyone hopes it's big salary time coming up. Big Ben did compliment James Washington and what he did last year and how his effort was there. I think his rookie year, there was a lack of effort and a lack of conditioning, which was a big issue. He was a workout warrior last year and it paid off for Washington. So I think there's going to be healthy competition there, but somebody's going to be the odd man's out. So I think it depends where you're at with it. James Washington last week, I said a garbage can could outperform him and Chase Claypool being drafted as early as he was drafted, that's going to have an impact there negatively for Washington. I think Juju's going to have a solid 2020 if Ben is healthy and he plays the whole season, but there are a lot of reports coming out saying they're not going to extend Juju. So where does he go? And then you have to, I mean, he's super young. We know that. But then you look at his year one production for a new team, and we all know in, in a strong likelihood, there's not a good chance that he's going to outperform especially when he did last year. And it's funny because somebody posted a graphic of his three years in college versus his first three years in the NFL. And it was exactly the same. It was a good freshman year, rookie year, uh, absolutely beast sophomore and second year. And then third year he dropped in both. It's just funny how they mirrored each other. Does it mean anything? Absolutely not. But it's just funny how they kind of went hand in hand. So I I actually, I I absolutely agree with James Washington. Juju, I think he's kind of up in the air just because we don't know what's going to happen here when his contract's up. Mitch, before we kind of go to this rapid fire for veterans, do you have any thoughts there? I agree with both. I think Juju was getting drafted, you know, as that wide receiver two last year and wide receiver three, absolutely crazy. And I think he's actually just a really, really, really good wide receiver two on an NFL team. I don't think he's ever going to be the wide receiver one. All right, so I have, geez, I'm looking at my list. It looks like about 30 guys here. So we're not 30, but we're going to go super quick here. Mitch, Dan, just let me know 
do you think these guys lost any value or potential production or are they exactly where they were before the NFL draft? So we'll go Dan Mitch through all of them in that order. Dan, Mark Andrews. No, he rose for me. Yeah, same or rose. Tyler Boyd. Still loving Boyd. He's on the upswing. Same. Hooper and Njoku with Brian being drafted. I feel guilty saying this to the Scooper Hooper or whatever you call yourself, JB, but uh, I'm not feeling those uh, Browns tight ends. I haven't moved him at all, though, since. I'm not moving him, and it's the Hooper Scooper, Dan, not the Scooper Hooper. Come on. <laughs> uh, Gallup and Jarwin. You're going at my heart here. They're just staying the same for me. I've dropped him. I, even my, my boy, Michael Gallup here, I dropped him in Jarwin. He's one of my big sleepers here early in the offseason. I dropped him a little bit. Dan, Sutton and Fant. Staying the same. Sutton, same, Fant, lower. I agree with that one. Dan, T.Y. Hilton. I think it's still a big free agent year coming up for him, so I'm, I'm still high on Hilton. Yeah, I think he's, he's sliding anyway, which is nice. Yeah, I'm high on Hilton too. And now when we had J.J. on the show a few weeks ago, one of my rapid fires was who loses more value because the NFL draft, T.Y. Hilton or Adam Thielen? So up next. Adam Thielen and Irv Smith. Do either of those two, Dan, do they lose value for you because of the, the draft drafting of Jefferson? No, I, I think he helps open things up. They needed another receiver bad, especially losing digs. Yeah, it was already built into his price. Yep, I agree with that. Dan, you brought up D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Shark. Yeah, I, th- I think LaVisca opens things up for Shark, you know, as opposed to him getting double covered. So same with Shark, D.D.'s rest in peace. Mitch? And Sorry about that. My kid's go. crying upstairs. That's so, all right. A little background noise yeah. never killed anybody. <laughs> Dee Dee Westbrook down, Shark, the same. Now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, first round draft capital. He can be utilized out of the backfield. And I still believe Damian Williams is going to be used in that pass catching rule as well. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Do either of those lose any value here in 2020? This one's so hard. I, uh, I'm going to say they stay the same, but Tyreek, I'm, I'm getting a little more nervous because there's just so much talent. Stays the same for me. Yep. Dan, and be very careful here. You know how I feel about this gentleman. If you say the wrong thing, you will be kicked off the show. But Darren Waller. Buddy, I'm wearing my silver and black for you tonight. I'm still high on Waller. Yeah, Waller's a stud. Definitely not going to drop him any. And I, I there's a lot of arguments and people saying, well, they brought in Edwards. They brought in Ruggs. I think Ruggs, he's one of those guys uh, that has the deep ball potential that really opens things up for the rest of this offense. And my boy Derek Carr with the negative five yards, air yards per target or uh, attempt, I think he's going to look for Darren Waller pretty often here, especially in uh, tight end premium leagues. I love him. Dan, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. Now I ask this because... The expectation was, and people were saying, not expectation, but people were saying, oh, we love Tyrod Taylor. The Chargers, we love him. And then they spend their early first round pick on Justin Herbert. Is there any change for the value of those four players? I think the Tyrod stuff was smoke and mirrors that we all read through before the NFL draft. I think if you believe in Herbert, which... I'm going to roll the dice here. I'm going to say, be patient. I think it's going to take a little bit of time early in the season, but I think there's going to be some AFC West shootouts. They're talking about using more shotgun and pistol on that offense and changing things up a little bit. I think, I think that's going to be a sneaky, good offense. That's going to open up and they're going to rise. So I'm going to say it's going up. 
Yeah, I actually do think it's going up as well now. They got Herbert. I think that's the perfect situation for him. And so I actually like all these guys moving forward now. Early in the offseason, Mitch, you were bashing my boy Austin Eckler. Well, Tyrod Taylor. And this is the voice I always give Mitch. So if you're listening for the first time here, the, the voice, voice I always give Mitch, oh, well, you know, Austin Eckler, he's going down in value. And I actually think it does help stabilize that a little bit. So to wrap this up, we said Theo and Irv Smith earlier, Woods, Cup, Higby, and we're doing the theory throwdown later, guys. We're doing an, another episode here tonight, a quick 10 to 15 minute uh, mini soda, if you will. And Mitch's guy, Van Jefferson, any impact there, Woods, Cup, Higby, and then obviously Cam Akers is there. Anything there with those guys? I think the Ram situation's never been more clear as day than it is this year. So those three guys are the guys. Uh, I'd say they're a little bit up. Mitch? Yeah, I agree. I think Van Jefferson cuts more into Josh Reynolds being that third wide receiver. And I think these other guys are just locked and loaded. And I'm completely happy having all of them on my team. Josh Reynolds was a guy, I didn't have him on any rosters. If I do, I might have one or two shares. But there were people that were stashing him. They were excited about him. That pretty much, that Van Jefferson draft pick pretty much squashes his value. Now, I said no running backs, but there's one running back I want to talk about very quickly. But people, it seems like the decision is split. And they say he's fine. There might be regression, but he's still going to be a stud. And then because the draft pick here in AJ Dillon and Mitch, I messaged you about this. Why do pe- people keep typing Dillian on Twitter? If if you if you search on Twitter AJ Dillian, there's so many tweets. I'm like, freaking spell it right, guys. But so the one running back I want to ask about is Aaron Jones. Dan, is his value up or down? Is there concern with the contract? The AJ Dillon draft pick. What are your thoughts? This is a fun one. Fun one for Mitch and I, I think too. Uh Mitch and I are in another league where Mitch realized throughout the draft that he took like the entire Packers offense there, you know, taking Adams at a good point early and taking Rogers. And then he took Jones, which was the logical pick at the time, but he didn't want that stack. So I traded him uh, my pick, which turned out to be Todd Gurley for him. And and for me, it was just a a safety thing. And I'm going to remain bullish on Aaron Jones. Jones has got the biggest chip on his shoulder ever. He had it last year. He's too big of a factor in the receiving game. Uh, So I'm still high on Jones. Yeah. I like Jones a lot too. I think them bringing A.J. Dillon in is more of a sign that Jamal Williams probably is going to come back next year. I think Aaron Jones is the guy who's going to get the contract extension. And so I'm actually looking to buy him in leagues because, like you guys brought up, his price is a little bit lower than what it should be given what we assume his production is going to be. And that's always the guys that I'm willing to go out and acquire. All right, guys, we made it through a show without a guest to carry us. And I'm going to say, like, on it, my back hurts a little bit because I, I felt like I carried the show for the most part, <laughs> even though, Dan, I'll, Dan, I'll say you had half of a successful challenge because I, I think you kind of had some ground there for both. But, you know, you got to bring it with the, the red flag next week. Hey, I'm going to bring it next in the throwdown. So hopefully our listeners come back and watch our next one and hang in there because they're in for a treat. Mitch, do you have anything for our listeners before we sign off? Nah, thanks for tuning in. We got some more great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks that John's been able to, you know, talk to and get get him coming on the show. So I'm excited for it. You know me, I I will just I will hound people. I will reach out whether it's Twitter, DMs, what, whatever it is. But I, I have no shame. I just constantly reach out, and for better or worse, that's kind of my approach. Now, anybody that's still watching, we're gonna be killing this feed, jumping on a new one. We're going to be doing our first installment of the Theory Throwdown where Mitch and Dan are going to battle it out and talk about two players similarly valued that 
you know, Mitch is going to try to persuade you to take one player, Dan, the other. So that's coming up next. Uh, I'll be tweeting that feed out and that's going to be available on YouTube. If you want to check it out once again, thank you for tuning in, find the show on Twitter and Instagram at dynasty theory and subscribe to the YouTube channel dynasty theory. Stay safe and have a great night.